Good morning. Thank you for allowing me to come and to speak today. It's been a, a great time to be able to come back to this, my home church. And my pastor is still with me, Pastor Don Lyon, <laughs> up in Albany, and he is a blessing at the Rescue Mission, and we are so thankful for him. I also want to just thank all of you for your support of the city mission. Uh, this church has been the beginning of the city mission in a sense in 1949. You were there and you supported us. You're continuing to do so at a very, very strong level. Thank you very much. Uh, Christmas, we had uh, a lot of people who came. We had 30, about 3,500 meals that day. And we had a full chapel and about 15 people made professions of faith in Jesus Christ and we're able to follow up on them. This past year, there was been about 500 faith professions among the homeless and needy of our capital region at the city mission. Many of them have gone on to, to do things that uh, we would call discipleship and following Christ. So thank you for that. It, the, the fruit belongs uh, to the Lord, certainly, but we just thank God that you've helped in that whole process. We are now in full swing, uh, getting ready in our women's building for our women and children's apartments, the men's apartment building area where they're doing next step discipleship is just going great. There's about 40 guys in there, and in three years we've only had about 10% of those groups, that group of people not finish and make it into where they should be, but about 90% have, and we're thankful for that. It's a good rate. It shows you when you walk with people in their own apartment and continue to help them to be accountable, God uses that in their life and that stability. So good things are happening at the at the place, and many of you are up there. So i really talking to the choir. You know, you see, thank you for being there. If you haven't come up for a tour, uh, please do so. Susan, my wife, is here, who is my director of development, and so she'd be glad to talk to you later. And if you need any of anything from her, she's here for that. But this morning we are in a psalm. I decided it would be good to be in a psalm, and we are going to be in a psalm that takes us into the heart of Jesus, I believe, as a New Year psalm, as it were. And that's why I picked it, because it's about Jesus, King of my life, for 2017, because we are now in the new year. And Happy New Year to you, a blessed new year to you. And we are going to be using a different text this morning than your NIV. We're using the ESV, but that's okay. You can follow in the NIV. It's just what I have prepared for and uh, in this passage is out of the ESV and any of the things which I can't see anyway. And if they're up there, you'll see ESV up there. That's okay. Jesus, King of my life for 2017. It's a new year. And some of you may even have New Year resolutions and so forth. Uh, you really know you need a New Year's resolution when you get on a set of, you know, talking scales in your bathroom and, and they say one at a time please you know and so I know that I'm in trouble uh, so I've there's got to be some new year's resolutions coming out here oh lord help me okay but when we get to this passage in in Psalm 24 we're dealing with David in his kind of new year experience think about it David wrote this psalm as a coronation psalm for the Lord of glory, the king of all creation, whom we know as a messianic psalm, Jesus Christ, our savior, he's king. But David was a new king, really, of the whole nation at this time. 
We would call him a young king. He was just getting started. He was not just the king of Judah and the king of the tribes there, but he was the king of the northern tribes, and they had all gotten together. David, you finally got to it. Saul is dead. He stopped chasing you. You're now the king. You're king of it all. And to top it off, you conquered this city that the Jebusites were in. And you got a new city. You're not just a new position. You've got a new city. And it's called Jerusalem. <laughs> we were in Jerusalem last year, my wife and I, on a tour. Uh, we went with some pastors. It was the most wonderful experience of our life. When we got to the city of Jerusalem on the bus, the entire bus of pastors started to weep as we saw that great city. And we were singing, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And it was beautiful to see that. But can you imagine David, the, the most top place in all of Israel, he's there and the new city of Jerusalem and he's the new king. And everything in his life seems to be new at this point. But something was missing. He wrote this psalm because something was missing in this newness of his whole life. And we are in a new year. And for many, this is the piece that's missing there as well. The presence of God Almighty in the Ark of the Covenant was not there in the city of Jerusalem. He had made the tabernacle. There was already, there was one piece missing, and it was the the golden Ark of the Covenant, symbolizing the very presence of God Almighty. And he would not rest, David, until that Ark was in the city. And so the first time on the cart, that didn't work. (laughs) That wasn't a good experience. David, do it God's way. If there's anything we learned for 2017 as a person, as a church, and as a nation, do it the Lord's way. But they brought, the Levites brought the presence of God Almighty into this new city, into this new kingdom. And you see in the picture, it was a celebration. Some thousand Levites, if you go back to the book of Psalms, it tells you about it. And David danced mightily unto the Lord. And he sacrificed and he passed out gifts. It was a, a high point in his life. Is it not a high point in your life when you meet God in your devotions, when you meet God in prayer, when you meet God in church, when you meet God in your witnessing? It's the high point of your life to know the presence of God Almighty. Lord, help our nation to understand that. Psalm 22 is the psalm of suffering. Psalm 23 is the psalm of the shepherd. And Psalm 24 is the psalm of the king. And we have precious psalms there today. Jesus, king of my life for 2017. We have three points there, and I have a slide that says, Jesus, King Jesus owns everything. If you don't remember anything, King Jesus owns everything. King Jesus has set the standard, and King Jesus is received by the faithful. Those are these psalms, this psalm today. King Jesus owns everything. He owns the earth. The fact, the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. The creator God, our Lord Jesus Christ, he owns everything that has ever been. People don't believe that in our country all the time. We kind of think it all just happened. I was listening to a guy a couple weeks ago, a scientist on the television, who said, in our Tadpolian days, we were this. And I'm thinking, what? Did he just say that we were tadpoles? <laughs> now, I used to do a lot with tadpoles because I, 
every swamp and stream, you get these little froggy things you know, swimming around. You could grab them and put them in your hands. And he said, we were a tadpole. I said, we were not. Thank you very much. But you're wrong. You may be a scientist, but we were not tadpoles. God created us. He owns us. And we don't own ourselves. We don't own the earth. And if we can go into the new year realizing that everything that you have in your being, everything that you have in your hand, everything in your bank account, everything everywhere that you have, your house, your car, the road you drive on, everything belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ then we'll go into it with a fresh outlook. It's a newness that maybe you already do that, but maybe you're not. My little grandson, who was even like two, grabbed this toy away from this pretty little blonde German girl in the German school in White Plains near my father-in-law's house. They were in a little sandbox. And quickly I learned some German. (laughs) The little German girl said, Nine, nine, mine, mine. And I don't really know German, but I realized that she said, no, no, mine, that's mine. And we quickly learn that, don't we? Little, what's mine is mine. Thinking, Lord, this is yours. It's not mine. You share it with me. The blessing of everything that we have. Give due thanks. Deuteronomy said, take care lest you forget the Lord your God who fed you in the wilderness. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Lord God, thank you. Jesus owns everything. He owns the earth. He also owns the world of people, the world and those that dwell therein. Every nation, every tribe, every color. When we see people... I'm so thrilled that you're going to Lima. That is just powerful. God bless you, the city of Lima, Peru. But everybody in Lima and everybody here in Westerlo, every person, whether you know Christ or whether you hate Christ, it doesn't matter who you are. You belong to him by creation. You are souls that he has made. Lord, that's why the Bible says, for God so loved the cosmos or the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. David in this psalm reminds us that every soul on this planet belongs to the king, our Lord Jesus Christ. And he also owns everything as its creator, for he hath founded it, he did, upon the seas and established it upon the waters. He is the creator. And when he creates, he owns. And he has precious blessings for you in 2017. They may not be exactly what you wanted or what you may have designed, but he knows what you need. He is the owner. Lord, I pray that our nation, we're coming into a new administration, we're coming into some new things, that our nation will remember that we do not own everything, the United States, and that we are not this and we are not that without you, dear Lord. You have shed your grace on us. And that we would finally get that right and start thinking, Lord, we're giving you due honor. We're going to say, God bless America and mean that he owns America and that it is he that we need to honor. Well, that's the first thing. He owns everything. He owns everything. You know, R.G. Letourneau said God is, he, he owns, he's my partner, 
but he's the president of my board. He's the chair of my board. He owns everything, and he gave 90% of his income away, made all that huge earth-moving equipment. I'm thinking, he got it right. He got it right. God owns everything. But then, if he owns everything, my next point In my slide four says, King Jesus has set the standard. It's not just anything goes. In fact, the Bible says, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? That's an august place to be. When you were a Levite and when you were a priest and the new tabernacle is set up and the Ark of the Covenant is there, you just didn't storm in any old way you wanted to. The high priest went in once a year into the holy presence of God Almighty. The Levites, they were cleaned and washed and they did everything accordingly to show that the very presence of God is set forth by him. And you just are in his presence with holiness. Who shall ascend it? He asked the question. The priests knew what that was about. But today, how do we come to know this precious God? How do we get prepared to stand in his presence to talk to him? And many people in America don't know the answer to that. There seems to be, especially in the capital region, a lack of faith in God, a lack of faith in the Bible. We are the toughest place in America, the capital region of New York State, according to several polls. And I find people constantly coming to me that haven't got a clue what it means to come into the very presence of God and how you do it. And it's not just any old way. It's through, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is holy and high and exalted. He has a standard. It's just not anything goes. Our country right now, there's too much of an anything goes mentality. I started to read stuff and I can't even get it in my brain. I'm thinking, really? I was reading some stuff about gender this week. And some weirdest stuff in the world. I'm thinking, where did you get this stuff? Well, it's just coming out of a heart that's depraved and a heart that says we can do anything we want. There's no standard. We will set a new standard. We'll set whatever standard we want in our culture. And I'm not picking on genderism. I'm just saying to you that we need a standard. And the Lord Jesus Christ has one. He's a wonderful God. Lord, help me reach your standards this year. Help me help others with mercy and love, not to beat them up, but to say, hey, you need to turn from that and turn to a great God that loves you. Well, King Jesus, he sets the standards. Uh, Quickly, we got to move on here. But what's he require? What's his standards? Well, they're pretty tough. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) You don't know my heart. You know some of the things I've been doing. My hands have been doing. I'm not fit to stand in your presence. I can't be there, any of us, without God doing something first. We know we're sinful. There's a person in this room that knows Jesus Christ, that knows that he took you from your sin to salvation. He took you from a place in which you weren't ready to stand before a holy God. He requires clean hands and a pure heart. <laughs> Isaiah God said, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Remove the evil of your deeds. A pure heart. He does not lift up his soul to what is false. He does not swear deceitfully. The Lord is concerned 
about his standard with us. He says, and the writer of the book of Isaiah, he needed cleansing. Isaiah, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David said, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. As I looked at this, I'm thinking, Lord, I can't hit this. No matter how I tried to be right with my hands and my heart, my hands and my heart, my hands and my heart, I still find I'm undone. And then this beautiful verse pops out of the Old Testament. (laughs) Verse (laughs) 5. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And that's how you meet it. You can't just be good enough to get there. That's why actually verse 5 of those two verses is the most powerful verse. In the NIV, he says vindication. Okay. The ESV says he shall receive righteousness. It's the word sadiq, and you don't even need to remember that. (laughs) Sadiq means righteousness. He shall receive. You need a gift from God in order to meet the standard, in other words. Can't do it in yourself. You need Sadiq. You need righteousness. I brought here a ruler. <laughs> Let's see here. Yeah, they made it good. It's, it's straight. But when God puts the ruler of his holiness against my soul without Jesus Christ, it's crooked. I'm in my sin. And God says, I'll give you something. I'll take your sin and give you my righteousness in Jesus Christ. In fact, the verse that I, that I want to read to you, um, I have a lot of papers and a very skinny pulpit up here, so just a minute. Um, he made him sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You realize when God sees the believer in Jesus Christ, he sees the soul that's been set straight. His sins have been forgiven, and in God's courtroom, he declares you officially justified or righteous. In other words, straight. Your soul is now straight and not crooked, and that's something God did not. I I did not. I received it by faith. The Old Testament term, shadik or righteousness, and then it's always translated together with the New Testament term, dikaiosune. You don't even need to worry about that Greek. It just means to be straight and right before God. And I say, Lord Jesus, thank you for Psalm 24, 5. Because it said you gave me righteousness as a gift. You made me right. I couldn't be right in myself. But when I gave Jesus Christ first place in my life, he gave me righteousness. Oh, I don't have that clean hand and clean heart until Jesus Christ makes me new. And in the Old Testament, he knew that too. (laughs) That's why that verse is there. Oh, Lord, the gift of your righteousness, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God, such is the group, such is the kind of class, as it were, of people. Oh, that's a great Savior. Jesus owns everything. He sets the standard of of holiness. And he said, you're going to come into my presence someday. You will be perfect and you will be righteous. Lord, I can't. Yes, you can because I'm going to make you righteous. I'm going to take your sin and I'm going to give you my right standard. You'll be righteous in front of me. It'll be your gift. All you have to do is receive it. 
And then lastly, King Jesus is received by the faithful. I love this part. This part is the part that's antiphonal. So if you like choirs, when David wrote this psalm, he was writing it for the time. He thought, wow, we're going to finally have this Ark of the Covenant, God's presence in a new city of Jerusalem. I got to write a psalm for it. I got to sit down and write something special. And he wrote this psalm to bring the Ark home. It had been kind of setting up for a while. And he brought it home and he said, okay, you, you guys, when we, bring, when we bring the Ark of the Covenant and the staves of the Levites, we're going to stop at the gates of the city of Jerusalem. And then the choir on the other side, we're going to have a question and answer time. <laughs> so you have to recognize that that's what's happening. They're standing at the door, the, the great gate of Jerusalem, and they've got the presence of God Almighty. And on that side, the Levites say, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, and the king of glory may come in. And on the other side, they said, Who is this king of glory? And then the Levites shout back, The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Now, in the Old Testament, God fought for his children. He was the mighty warrior of the Old Testament. But he has a son who is now the great warrior king. He said, I have set my son upon the throne, Psalm 2 says. He is my king, Jesus. What battle did you come from? Because that happened a lot of times. When, when, the, when the warlords and the generals and the kings fought the big battles, they came back to their city as, as victors. Now, messianically speaking, this psalm is showing you Jesus is there and they're saying we're bringing the king in and he's fought a major battle and won. What battle did he fight? Ye who were dead in your trespasses and sin, God made alive, having forgiven us all our trespasses, Colossians 2 says, canceling the record of debt against us, nailing it to his cross. He disarmed, get that, he disarmed the rulers and authorities, those are the evil ones, and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, the devil. He fought the devil, he fought sin, he fought all of that which came against us. Jesus fought, was victorious. He is the battle-strong king of all creation they said he won the battle and you know what I'm glad he won the battle so that we aren't in hopeless adherence to Satan and his policies and to sin but we serve the great battle victorious savior Jesus Christ they said let him in I could see the doors opening but there's one more that they're going to do they have a second one some believe that this is the second coming of Jesus Christ I'm not sure We need to go into all of that today. But they ask another question. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, ye ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. On the other side, who is Adonai Kobad, 
Who is this Lord of glory? Who is this one who is the king of all creation, who is the Lord of glory, all majestic power and glory is his? Who is he? Then they said, the Lord of hosts. In the NIV, it says the Lord Almighty, and that's okay. In the Hebrew language, it's Lord Sivioth, the Lord of hosts, which means you're almighty. But it's the Lord of the host of the stars, the Lord of the host of the angels, the Lord of the host of Old and New Testament saints. And they're all battle. He's got the, he's got the armies of glory. He's got the, he has everything on his side. Okay, you want to be on the right side? You want to be on the Lord of hosts and all the hosts that follow him and already signed up. You want to be on the battle side with Jesus. He's coming back with those hosts, by the way. That's why some writers say, this is the second coming of Jesus. Could be that, that, that foreshadowed. Christ is coming. Hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty One reigns. The increase of his government and peace shall be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. Oh, Lord. What a Savior. He owns everything. Aren't you glad the Lord owns everything? You too. He has set the standard and it set it high, real high. It's perfection and holiness of which no one will see God without him. And then he gives you that. He gives you a righteous standing before him as a gift because you couldn't do it in your wildest day. And then he's received by the faithful. I'm going to tell you something about this psalm that throughout Jewish history, every single Sunday morning in Jewish history at the temple, This psalm was read in verbatim, just like our doctor read it today. Lift up the gates, the Lord of glory shall come in. When Jesus Christ and his triumphal entry came in the city of Jerusalem on Sunday morning, and they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, King Jesus. And they were, the crowds were, were ushering him in. And at the temple, at that very time, the Levites and those in charge, the chief priests, were, were, were just calling out Psalm 24. That's the Psalm of Sunday for the Jews. The tragic thing is they weren't welcoming him into the temple. And those who welcome him into the city would later cry, crucify him. Today, as we think about that, if you're sitting here, and my challenge as I close, I don't know all of you, but today, if there's some of you who have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we're not asking you to open a door at the church. We're not asking you to go to Jerusalem and open a, some, some, some temple door or gate. We're asking you to take the door of your heart, swing it wide open, and say, King of glory, my Savior, I need your righteous standard. I need you to forgive me and make me righteous. I can't do it. And right now, I invite you to come in, King Jesus. And I begin this new year by making you King of my life and my Savior. Nobody's going to be any doors down here, but if you open it to him, he will come in. And believer in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning as we close, submit your life to him in 2017. 
He wants to be king of your life. Someday he will be here during the second coming. This will be a kingship, a kingdom on this earth and in heaven, which will be absolutely amazing. And you who know Jesus Christ will be part of it because you've met the fulfillment, and that's that you're righteous and holy before God because Jesus gave you that as a gift. But maybe you're here today as a believer, and you need to turn from some things. You need to make some decisions that, Jesus, you're going to be king, and I'm not. And I've been acting like I run myself, and I won't do that anymore. This is a new year for me. Jesus, you're coming. David made it a new start for his kingdom and his new city and all the new administration that he would have. He said, I'm not starting it out. Well, God being king of everything. Whether or not he was able to fulfill everything he wanted to do, that's what he did. Lord, thank you. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your grace. Oh, King Jesus, we love you. You died that though we couldn't keep your standards and holiness because we're sinners, you would gift us forgiveness and eternal life and holiness and you would make us righteous. Oh, Lord Jesus, that there be one in this room that says, Jesus, I turn from my sin and ruling my own life and making a mess out of it. I want your righteousness on me. I know I can be cleansed and freed from my sin if you'll just save me. And right now I say, Jesus, save me. And Lord, we ask your blessing upon that soul that they'll remember that you own everything, that you have standards that you'll help them meet in the power of thy spirit and in the power of your cross, you died for them. And Lord, that we'll be faithful to make sure that you're welcome in our hearts as king and in this church. And Lord, for our nation, as we start out a new administration, that you, dear Lord Jesus, will be honored in this country. And Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace. Lord, King Jesus, please come in and be king. In your name we pray, amen.